Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. That's rude Scott Artis, by the way. What does that mean? You know what that means. <laughs> you can't throw inside jokes out. People don't like that. Well, it's retarded. Well, you should laugh at people before we start the show. I wasn't laughing at you. Yeah, you were. No. Then you won't tell me why. So that means you're laughing at me. I wasn't. I just moved your microphone closer to your face. So when you walked up to it, it was right there, closer than normal. <laughs> now we got this bit of inside sausage making on the podcast. Sausage making, huh? Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And sorry you had to listen to that because Heather's self-conscious over there. I, I didn't announce myself. <sighs> announce and yourself. I'm Heather Artist with BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us. See, it flows better now. Now I got the rhythm. Thanks for joining us for minute 28 of Dead Man's Chest. Hey, if you like the show, why not give us a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice? Or if you just feel sorry for us, you can give us a five-star review too. Either way works for me. What are you laughing about? If you about? have a question or comment, <laughs> just want to say hi, give us a shout at 8637-PIRATE. You want to throw something out, make me laugh, I guess. In the previous minute... It's just about dinner, and nothing says a fancy to-do than a dinner and a song. Or is it a song and a dance? I don't really remember. Boom, boom, akalaka, boom. Boom, boom, akalaka, boom, boom. Open the door, get on the floor. Everybody walk the dinosaur. <laughs> As the Pelagosos Jack and Will rock out to some late 80s funk, Elizabeth Swan is toiling away in the Fort Charles jail, worrying about Will. Hoping he can find Jack. Hoping he can save the day. If only she could see them now. Knowing the sniffy snip Will is probably off having a grand time. <laughs> decides, hey, how about I try to be the hero of this film and rescue the damsel in distress? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Seriously, when they were doing the boom, the boom, boom, shaboom, boom, when they're walking, it just really reminded me of Walk the Dinosaur for some reason. That's a throwback. Oh, it is a throwback. That's why I said late 80s funch. Yeah. Minute 28 begins with Governor Swan telling Elizabeth that there is nothing left for her here as he closes the door to the carriage. Governor drives the horses to a waiting ship. As the carriage approaches the dock, a mysterious figure is standing with his back turned to Swan, facing the ship. Wait inside, the governor says as he climbs down from the carriage. The minute ends with Ian Mercer shoving Governor Swan against the carriage. We cut to Cutler Beckett's darkened office. The Lord's holding the lantern and reading a letter. Can we start at the carriage ride? No, we're not starting at the carriage ride. We're starting with... I've been going really back and forth on the governor thing here. At least these past few minutes. Trying to second guess and read like into his actions and his words. It's hard to get a full read on him. 
And maybe that's to be expected. His daughter's in jail and facing the death penalty. I mean, there should be some stress and his thoughts should be all over the place. And that's what I'm saying. It's just to be expected. And the reason I brought this up is the comment to Elizabeth. There's nothing left for you here. So yeah, we'll start at the carriage ride. But I had to get my introduction out before you hornswoggled my opener. <laughs> I thought you just said you're going to go with there's nothing left for you here. That is kind of the carriage ride, right? You meant the I'm actual actual, the actual carriage ride. Boy, you just left off like a whole important part of the minute. I mean, it's like we got 60 seconds here and you're jumping ahead. We got to embrace all the seconds. <laughs> I didn't know we were going in order. We don't always go in order. That's true. We don't. I mean, what do you think about this? Is this a Will Turner comment? Is this the governor still trying to sell her the idea Will is not coming back for her to Port Royal? Why does he say there's nothing left for you here? I thought this was kind of a strange comment because he's staying behind, right? He's not going on the sh- on the ride on the the ride on the ship the ride what what <laughs> is going ride. on here <laughs> right he's staying this behind. isn't all fun and games for them by the way <laughs> they're not having a grand old time it's not like they're at Disneyland here so he's saying even he's not a reason for her to come back or even stay maybe not you know there's no future maybe that's what he meant by it maybe it's just kind of odd because it's almost like it's. Their relationship's over also. I mean, is this the comment that the governor's used the only card he has left? Smuggling a prisoner out of jail and helping her escape the island. I mean, he himself may be in trouble and headed for jail if he's caught. Right. Again, he really doesn't like Will or is just, say, caught up in getting her out of danger. So I don't know if this is a dig at Will or a matter of fact that Beckett on Port Royal means their lives are over in regards to how they used to be anyway. Yeah, it's it's that, that... You know, they don't, their lives aren't, or is this they'll a, never be the same. Or is this a push for Norrington again? There's nothing left for you here. <laughs> if Norrington was still on Port Royal, would Governor have no. said this? Would Governor have said this if Norrington was still on Port Royal? Ignoring the fact that Beckett has a warrant out for Norrington as well. Yeah. You think he still would have oh, said yeah. that? Yeah, because Beckett's not, or Norrington's not safe either. I, wow. Wow. The ability for you to mask out words is uncanny. I just said ignoring I'm the fact saying. that Beckett has a warrant out. So if Norrington I'm, didn't have a warrant out, would Governor Swan still have said that to her? If he didn't have a warrant out yeah. for Norrington? Yes. Governor Swan would not have said that. That's what I was Because going. it would be safe for Elizabeth and probably him still if Norrington was there because I don't think Beckett could take over then. Well, he may be able to, but... Norrington is just the Commodore. He's still... Yeah, but Norrington was a presence. Okay, so you're going with the force of nature, Norrington. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. So is this a dig at Will, or is this saying that there's no future left for them here? There's no future left for them there. Beckett's and I taking guess it over. wouldn't be a dig at Will, though, really. It wouldn't be? Kind of. It's not really a dig at him. It's just a matter of fact then that Will's not here, so... Right. And there's no future for us here because Beckett's taking control. I've basically lost my position. I'm just a figurehead here now. And there's no future for Will there either. Yeah, but Governor doesn't care about Will. Yeah, but I'm just saying, for any of them, all three of them. Yeah. And Norrington included. I do like the Governor's new digs, though. Since I said digs, I'll just use that as my transition, though. Really? Yeah. Dark colors. Appropriate for smuggling people at night. (laughs) Right? It's nice to see him in everyday high society apparel. (laughs) Thought we'd lighten the mood a bit, since we did talk about some of that. Yeah. Will, we talked a lot about it the other day about Will and Governor Swan and that stuff. But I thought it was just an interesting comment because now I got to go back. 
this nothing for you here kind of scenario. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's just saying that, that there really is no future, like I said. But then he's also still trying to sell her on the idea of getting her the hell out of here. Oh, yeah. So the more he makes it dire, the easier it is for her to want to go in his mind. In his mind. In his mind. I'm not talking her mind. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. From his point of view, though, he goes, he's thinking, if I can make this place look like a real s-hole, then she's going to want to leave. Or right. be okay with leaving. Yeah. Especially if I say nothing's here for you now because Will's gone. Yeah. And, or our life is gone as we know it. And, and it all makes sense in his mind. Yeah. But she's not there. She's yeah, but not that's the thing Dad. I was thinking about that is just some of the other comments in the last minute. He is really, and it's hard for people who say aren't parents to come from that, that viewpoint. Because she is a young person who probably pictures herself invincible is not having that same life experience and wisdom, say, that her father does in the finite of life who's experienced a bunch of death and things. Right. Especially in this time period. For her, or for him, it's a different thing. It's like, I don't want to see you go to the gallows, as he said in the previous minute. Yeah. He doesn't want to see that. Well, of course he doesn't. So, no matter what, he's going to do whatever he can to get her out of here. And yeah. I think that's this Even is all part of that Even if he have to shackle thing. and take her out on himself. Exactly. Now we can get back to the lighter stuff of uh, Governor Swan and his coat of drabby colors. <laughs> but the dark colors. Appropriate, like I said, for smuggling people. Yes. I mean, he'd be better off with dark tights, though. I mean, he almost has the ensemble correct to sneaking around at night. But those light colored ones, I mean, they just stand out. Well, Come on. It's a dead giveaway. How about the wig? The wig, too. But that's gray. We're not talking bright, like light colored, whitish color. Actually, I mean, they're not tights. Not that I would accuse a governor of tight wearing. They're stockings of the 18th century were worn by <laughs> men and women. Let's just call them stockings, okay? <laughs> and they were most often knit. They're tights, then. Hey, stockings. Let's just call them stockings. It's much okay. more masculine. Okay. The knitting frame was developed in the late 16th century, and many improvements during the 18th century increasingly forced hand knitters from their business. Poor hand knitters. All sitting there with their crimped up hands, working in the, <laughs> the factories all day. Fashionable stockings of silk or cotton were generally white, as we see our governor running around in. And at times were decorated with knit or embroidered patterns at the ankle, referred to as clocks or clocking. So it looked like a pair of socks at the ankle? Exactly. More utilitarian stockings of linen and particularly worsted wool were seen in colors with blue and gray predominating. Occasionally, coarse stockings for the low-laboring sort and slaves were cut of woolen or linen cloth and sewn to fit the shape of the leg. Would that be a little itchy? Might be a little itchy. But yeah. Especially tight like that? I wouldn't want to wear it. Yeah. You want some cotton on those legs. That exactly. tight. Or some silk. Uh, my silk. S- my skin needs silk, but it's used to high society fabrics like that. Yes. And not that, yeah, fabric. Eh, we'll call it a fabric. Even It's not really, but yeah. Yeah. So there you go. But he could have been sneaking around better. I mean, he does. It's nice to see him in other clothes, though. Yeah. I was actually really excited about it. I'm like, ooh, giddy with excitement. Look, <laughs> at, he does have something else he wears. Thought it was nice. And then they go flying by uh, through town there, kind of, if you will. I mean, there's a few shop signs in the background as the carriage zips by. Yet I couldn't identify any of the text on them. It was too dark and in the background, so I couldn't get a clear enough shot to make a definitive ID. It really irritated me. You know how I get sucked into the rabbit hole on that kind of stuff? Yes. The closest one may be J&B or T&B something trading company, which 
makes sense. I mean, it's near the dock where supplies would be loaded and unloaded from ships. But too dark for me, and I thought searching for it online would be one of those dark, dingy holes I could never recover from. And so I figured I would just uh, abandon that search after, what, two, three hours? <laughs> and then have nothing to show for it. Just kidding. I only spent an hour and a half doing it. And then I finally abandoned it. I don't it. doubt that, actually. But the carriage ride, what did you think of the carriage ride? Since you wanted to talk carriage ride. I thought the carriage ride, I know we can't show a full carriage ride through town. and But the sucker acted, seemed like they got in the carriage, went 100 feet, got out. It would have been better for them to sneak through town in their dark colored clothes. So are you reading my notes? I just want to know that. No. Did you did you look at my headlines? No. How dare you? You cheat a door. You I looked didn't. at my headlines. No. Because I like get too. I get that. We're just getting a snapshot of them riding through town on this harrowing escape under the cover of night, right? Yeah. But it seemed too short for me. It's like uh yeah. petered out. It's like Joop! okay, we're here. You could yeah. see the whole trail, it was like from that street corner to this street corner. We're done. I mean, he's Johnny 30 seconds here. What's <laughs> yeah. going on here? Come on, buddy. Right? Put some stamina into that thing. <laughs> they couldn't even get the horses really going. <laughs> that's what she said. And that's why she was so disappointed in the ride when he went back to look for her. She's like, I got to get out of here. I got to do this on my own. Johnny one shot here. Just ruined the whole thing. Yeah. How's she supposed to get riled up? Yeah. Man. I'd like, I would have liked to have seen it a bit longer, too, especially with the way it's cut. And I think that's the problem. It's the way yeah. it's cut. It's like Governor closes the door. Then we see him driving the carriage between a few buildings. And boom, They're he's done. arrived at the dock. Yeah. <laughs> Did I miss something here? It's like the carriage ride was, like you said, just a few hundred feet. It messes with my mind. It yeah, does mess my with team. my mind. It's like there's a comedy movie out there, and I can't think of it right now, with people jumping into the car and it drives forward just a few feet. It's like Naked Gun, maybe? I don't know. My memory is failing me on this for some reason. Or the other one I do remember is Andy Griffith, an Andy Griffith reference. We haven't had one of those in a while. Oh, across the street? Yeah, Barney does a police <laughs> escort for this lady, this lady that's new to town. Maybe he's got yeah. the hots for her. She's a gussied up lady. He's all giddy. Jumps into his car. Tells her to follow him. Maybe he even turns on a siren. I don't he remember. He does. He makes a U-turn, stops at the other side of the street at the post office, I think. That's what this scene reminds yeah. me of. They needed a longer carriage shot. Maybe a quick montage or something. I mean, come on. Give me a montage. You something. did one for the fisherman. Not sure the cut works for me. No. Maybe me the neither. governor thought walking 100 feet was more conspicuous than driving a carriage with two horses. It would have been better off. Shh. No one will hear the horses in this creaky carriage. Yeah. Come on. A totally silent town. And you get in this carriage for 100 feet, and then you get out. But then again, who doesn't like a carriage ride? Well, that's true. His last carriage ride with his daughter, possibly. Wanted to give her the scenic route. Look, dear, He's we're driving, going right up though. The, I'm just saying that he didn't have it all worked out. Oh, okay. Still wants to give her that Oh, I forgot the guy who would, who would drive their carriage died in Curse of the Black Pearl. He got shot. He stood there. He opened the door. Butler? Yeah. He would drive their carriage. Butler? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, Why this guy is not a drive his Butler's not a Renaissance man. He does one thing, and that's Butler. He doesn't drive the carriage too. You have your own carriage drivers. Oh, okay. Your drivers, your horse drivers. Oh, I guess the their driver was with them. Yeah, because they are with him. I know you, but I appreciate that you try to give Butler a lot more duties in the film. I tried to help him, but. We know that he couldn't have pulled off doing 
carriage work as well as butlering because the guy was dumb enough to open that door <laughs> when he heard all kinds of things going loose outside. Hello? Oh, bullet to my face. Yeah, we don't want to relive that. But yeah, I don't know if it worked for anybody else out there, but it was a funky cut on that. Yeah. They should have lengthened it or something. I mean, <laughs> should like a old school ticking clock, the hands on the clock go around or something? I don't know. Something. They needed something to make it better. Yeah, and then they show up and it's like, oh, there's somebody standing on the dock. And I'm getting the feeling Mercer, Ian Mercer, is really a nasty henchman. Just my initial impressions of him. Right. He's the last guy you want to meet alone at night at the docks, for sure. Well, when you first see the captain from his back, all you see is a captain. You don't see Mercer at all. You notice that? Yeah, they do. You don't even see his feet or anything. When you're really looking for it. Oh, barely. Barely. You have to know it's there to see it. Because I watched it over and over and I had to I pretended I did not know it was there to try to figure it out. Yeah, anyway. That's a Jedi mind trick you have. (laughs) You're like You don't see Mercer, Heather. He's standing perfect behind or in front of the captain. So you can't see him at all until he turns around and pulls the sword out of that captain. It was a knife. It sounded like a sword. It made the noise. Oh, come on. That's that's always the, the fully noise. sound effect. I have a name for the governor's captain friend. Oh, do you? Yeah, Captain Hawkins. Oh, really? Yeah. Is Not that a, a real, pu- real captain? Are you really asking me that? thought you looked it up. Yeah, Hawkins. So. But I know why that rings a bell. Why? Maybe I'll tell you. Maybe I won't. But he doesn't get a lot of screen time. It's a nice shot of his back and slumping to the ground. It's fine work <laughs> poor, by poor Captain, Captain Hawkins. Hawkins. His official biography is, After Lord Cutler Beckett took control of Port Royal, Governor Swan struck a deal with Captain Hawkins in order to secure passage back to England for his daughter. That's the official bio for him. That's it? Yeah. Hawkins' backstory was intended to relate to that of Jim Hawkins, father in Treasure Island, Oh, okay. Explaining the circumstances of his father's disappearance at sea and why he never returned to the Admiral Benbow Inn. Not Bimbo, Benbo. Bimbo. The name also appears in the film's junior novelization as well as a production draft of the film dated January 19th, 2006. Oh, okay. That's where the name comes from. Huh. And it also pops up in Dead Man's Chess script. So if that's, you were wondering where it is. It did? Although I didn't like the carriage cut very much. I did like the abrupt transition when Mercer slams Governor Swan against the empty carriage in anger. I thought that was pretty cool. It immediately yeah. moves to Beckett in his office then. Leaves us wondering what exactly happened to Weatherby. What? You're jumping! How am I jumping? I said, I mean, we know Mercer has no problem killing people, but I'm still talking about Mercer. I just said that the transition for the movie. Oh, okay. Apparently you don't listen to how this works. We're talking about like the transitions and how Mercer... Pushes Swan against the carriage and then it blanks and cuts right to his op- Beckett's office. That's all I was yes. saying. I like the br- abrupt transition, but I didn't like the abrupt carriage ride. No. That's all I'm saying. Okay. When Mercer's cleaning his blade, there's sparks behind him. Did you see that? I didn't see any sparks. Really? There are like these orange sparks behind him. Fireflies? No. It was like poof sparks. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, you'll have to look at it again. It's kind of interesting. I wonder what that's I don't, about. I don't know. It's weird. Like these sparks. Are you sure there's sparks? Yeah. You want to see? No, I don't want to see. So we have a definitive ruling after watching the clip real quick. Because we always got to verify what Heather says. It's the reliability on the scale but of 1 to 10 is really poor. For but you it's not, not catching not actually this. Sparks. But it, because it, 
wasn't sparks, though. It was just embers flying off the torches, torches in the background. It was kind of a neat effect, though. I don't know if it was meant to be. I think, okay, Why? yeah, I think it looks good, but I don't know if it was an effect that they made as opposed to wind just, just blowing yeah. the torch and the because they were probably using some old school torch techniques there. Yeah. Hashtag old school torch techniques. And you just see some embers blowing in the wind that come yeah. off that. It's kind of neat looking. Actually, behind him. Reminiscent of the opening of Curse of the Black Pearl with all the oh, sparks yes. and stuff like that. See? Oh, that's just me coming up with something look really it. quick Curse to help of make Black you Pearl. to help you not look like a goofball. It's a callback. That's such a obscure callback. Sparks, embers from a torch. God, that's and that was happened by accident. How dare you try to throw something in there like that? How dare you try to get my symbolism radar going? <laughs> Talking about Mercer killing people, however, and I say however, because we are to assume that Beckett is reading the letter Mercer retrieved from Captain Hawkins. Yeah. The Governor Swan's appeal to the King letter. Yeah. Is that what's going on here? At the very end? Yeah, at the minute. Yeah, I assume. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit strange because it happens rather quickly with the cut because it's dark. We don't really get a sense of the passage of time. At least not yet. The next minute you Right. Do. But at first, it almost seems like this was occurring at the same time of then Swan escape kind of attempt thing here. Kind of, but then you see the letter, and then you see the letter. He's reading a letter. I kind of put it together. Like, well, that's why I mentioned it. But it, it doesn't but seem that, yeah, the time passing doesn't seem right. Because it just seems that it's almost happening at the same time. Yeah. You're not getting that sense that some time has passed from the Mercer-Swan incident. Right, because you don't know what happened with the governor. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you know, Beckett's reading a letter by... Why is Mercer back so quick Yeah, the that's letter. what I'm saying. It's like he got on the magic carriage ride. Unless and then, he had somebody else bring the letter back to Beckett, but well, we don't even see anything, no, any transition of that letter to Beckett. He just all of a sudden has it, yeah. and it just looked like... Because sometimes in the movies, they'll have like a passage of time, whether it's a day shift to night or something, so you can see some patches, passage of time. Here... We're cut immediately to Beckett in his office reading this letter that, or possibly this letter yeah. that Mercer obtained from the captain that was written by Swan. And that's, right. I think, with this weird cut that's going on in this particular yeah. moment. How did Mercer know the letter was there? Well, that's a good question. How I don't did he think know he, the... I, I don't know if he knew that the letter was there. I think that he... Forced it from the guy? Or got something from him. I mean, Mercer is obviously... Well, okay. For one thing, Mercer, not necessarily in the movie, but has been established in the expanded universe as a spy. Okay. So he has his feelers out all over this place. This guy's a dirty henchman. He probably has spies or somebody that was working on the docks say, Hey, Hawkins is showing up here. He's waiting here. We saw Governor Swan give him a letter. You might want to check it out. Yeah. Now, I understand Governor Swan isn't going with Elizabeth, but you'd think he'd have a better way of getting a note to the king without just handing it to this guy. And then, okay, he hands it to this guy. This guy didn't put it somewhere safe. Put it on his body? That would probably think that it'd be the safest place that nobody would find it. He didn't expect to be killed for this, right? Right. And there's only one way to get a letter back then. It's not like you throw it onto airmail or... Email it yeah, or message in a bottle it out there. Word of mouth, maybe? That's a hell of a word of mouth chain. Yeah, but what word of mouth going to prove yeah, at that time? True. Because then the king's like, really? I mean, where's the seal? Where's the governor's seal and signature that proves that this is from oh, him? Oh, yeah. 
Very true. So that's the problem. He had to do that. In the script, it doesn't say he's reading the letter to the king. It actually just says Beckett walks in from the balcony carrying a lantern. Oh, huh. So that was a touch that Gore Verbinski did. Yeah. And Mercer needs to be arrested for littering here. What do you litter? Whatever he wiped his oh, his sword off with, he threw it on the ground. It was his cloth, his handkerchief. Yeah, he littered it. Should he be arrested? Uh, actually, no, because they don't have any garbage cans. Because so you the... just throw things on the ground? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's what happened. Plus, they were afraid of the Irish Republican Army and putting bombs in a bunch of trash cans. That's why you don't see a lot of trash cans. Oh, is that modern? That's more modern stuff. Oh, I forgot. But that's all I got today, actually. Do you have anything else? Nope, that's it. So you gave me the look like, wow, that's all he's got? Well, you didn't say anything about Elizabeth and her disappearance. What was I supposed to say? I don't know. Elizabeth disappeared. <laughs> Is that good for you? She She's a magician. She disappeared. I don't, I don't really have anything to say about that. Oh, comes I got one thing. I just remembered. But is it valuable? Is it an Elizabeth disappeared it was, scenario again? It was again? kind of a funny thing that I caught. You, now, see, you announced that it's funny and we're going to be judging you now. Okay, what is this hilarity you have? Mercer asks, where is she to Governor Swan? And Governor Swan actually answers, who? Yeah? Who? <laughs> That's the smartest move he could make, though. <laughs> I thought it he was funny. Was, in his mind, he was doing nothing wrong. Yeah. Or, okay, in his mind, his best answer to mercer is i'm just out for a fast carriage ride drove 100 feet gonna talk to mr hawkins captain hawkins on the dock here nothing to see here folks because i go strolling with my carriage as governor i drive the horses at night in my dark apparel except my white tights kind of... no but he was trying to in his best governor and it's not even well played off and i think that's well acted by our uh Ooh. Lost his name. Jonathan Price. It's well acted by Jonathan Price. And it's supposed to be that it's not necessarily like a, you know, it's supposed to be like poorly conceived. Yeah. Because he's coming up with it on the spot and he's pretending I didn't have anybody in here. Yeah. There. Does that help that you, we mentioned Elizabeth then? Yeah. Thank you. She's in there. You gotta disappear from the carriage. Yeah. But I didn't really have much to say about it. Where'd she go? (laughs) Just kidding. You got real issues. Because that's all I got today, except to say that three days per week, starting next week. We're going three, to three days per week. Three days a week. We've been talking about it a little each episode this week. Heather's now singing about it for some reason. And the original announcement was on minute 25. So if you want to hear that, go back and enjoy all that. But we hope the shift and the fact that we eliminate a lengthy hiatus between season makes most of you happy out there. Hopefully everyone, but if not, most of you. That's all. So, with that said, we'll be back tomorrow with minute 29 of Dead Man's Chest. Till then, scallywags, let's keep the horns woggling to a minimum. You've been listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, 
Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean. That's for best of clips. And by all means, give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.